Okay. Okay. I think we are all set to go. Yes. Yes. Everything yep. looks like it's not burning anymore. Can you tell I haven't done this in too long? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chat, can y'all hear me? Can y'all see everything? Yep. Yep. Oh, goodness. Okay. So, uh, hello everyone. Welcome back to Lorebeards. It has been a super long time. I think everything is where it's supposed to be and nothing's smoking or on fire, but if so, we'll just blame it on the Chaos Dwarfs and say it's not my fault. So, um, without further ado, uh, why don't we introduce our guests? Uh, so if we could stop, start up here in the top left, uh, if you could introduce yourself, uh, for the chat, just kind of explain, uh, who you're on, what you're doing here, then, uh, go ahead. Fantastic. Hi, everyone. I'm Shitskoi. Um, I'm one of the uh, former content creators on the Brazen Broadcast for Chaos Dwarfs Online. Um, and I'm a massive Chaos Dwarfs fan. Um, I did a video with uh, Sotek uh, about a year ago now when we were first thinking about what the future held for the Chaos Dwarfs. And I'm really excited to be back here talking to you with some more cool guys from Chaos Dwarfs Online. Awesome. Next up above me, please. <laughs> I think okay, Jasper, if you go next. Uh, Sorry, we can't yeah. actually see. So it's probably hard. we Sorry. have other different things. Yes. Oh, fun. Yeah, you got it. I'm, you got it. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Jasper from Germany. Long time warmer player for like, I don't know, 25, 30 years. Uh, almost as long Chaos Dwarf fan. Um, happy member of the Chaos Dwarf online com community. And I'm super excited to talk about everything related to Chaos Dwarf. Great. And our last person. Hi, uh, I'm Lake Tide from Sweden, and uh, I haven't been a member as long as these guys on, on the forums. But uh, I think I'm here because uh, I play a lot of Total War and uh, a lot of tabletop uh, as well with Chaos Dwarfs. Awesome. So uh, let's not start, or, I mean, let's just come out of the gates charging. So the trailer. Yay? Nay? <laughs> Yo, did y'all enjoy it? Mega awesome. yay. Excellent. Yeah, it was it was Great. it was totally unanimous. I think it's fair to say the Discord didn't stop exploding with new members for days, but also <laughs> like every single I like we we didn't have a single bit of negativity. It's been like really really astounding how well they captured so many of the different things because we have so many different eras and people are fans of slightly different elements of it. Nobody feels left out. It's an absolute triumph. That's awesome to hear. Uh, was there any particular moment in the trailer for each of you guys that was like, was the ultimate? I, I suspect I might know what it is, but I'm curious if your answers <laughs> will be different. That's a hard hey, one. You want to start? Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, it's uh, seeing their uh, version of uh, the Kedai Destroyer was uh, epic, but uh, I really like to see Satan as a um, a character and uh, i was hoping for him uh, and also their um, rendition of the lamasu was uh, awesome to see as well and uh, yeah yeah about, it was just talk about one hell of a glow up uh <laughs> <the> <laughs> was way better looking. Like, but don't you dare talk bad about the original one though I'm not gonna talk bad about it. I just, I just, you know, I think the, I think the modern one is kind of, you know, there's probably some Games Workshop artist that goes, yes, that is what, that's what I thought it should look like. But 
For me, it was the forges, actually. I mean, uh, these, these views inside the Chaos Dwarf Demon Forge, how they assemble the, the war machines, the Iron Demons, the Red King Mortars. I love that. This is, that's, this is more than I would have hoped for. I mean, I was expecting that everything would look awesome on the actual battlefields and everything, but this, the, the stuff we, we got around it, very, very nice. I loved it very much. Yeah, looking... Uh, I think for me... Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, you're all good. But uh, looking back at the trailer, yeah, that, that scene where they're not only assembling everything, but you get to see yeah. kind of all of the... Just the massive amount of Iron Demons and War Machines, and you can even catch the Warriors of Chaos, uh, like, uh, negotiating in the background uh, yeah. with yeah. them. is just It's such a clever piece of just storytelling without having to say anything. Definitely. Right, sorry, the, um, the, Infernal the Infernal Guard. The Infernal Guard. Okay, that's not okay. The Infernal Guard being totally motionless is like a really important detail that makes it clear that they're like a a cast apart. But actually, I think for me it was the opening voiceover. So it's really easy mm. for people to get super excited by the Iron Demons and stuff and forget that like the interesting thing about the Chaos Dwarfs is their motivation is different from most of the other like evil chaos aligned factions. And that is that they were abandoned by their original gods. And that's something that we think about and talk about quite a lot because it feeds a lot of the behavior to know from like minute one, word one of that voiceover that the, the dev team had like understood it. They'd understood the faction. You just knew the rest of it was going to be a, a hit because the soul of it was so clear that all of the detail kind of flows from that, you know? Yeah, which, um, speaking of the dev team, one thing I wanted to share with y'all that I think you would find uh, wonderful and a little heartwarming is that when I uh, was speaking to the devs uh, about, like, uh, Chaos Dwarf stuff, one of the things that they told me is that they actually uh, watched through the uh, Chaos Dwarf Q&A series, especially the last episode where we had the Chaos Dwarf community members online. Um, and that was, like, a video that many of them had on <laughs> while working on stuff because it was just kind of like a it's just kind of one of those like easy access passion boosts um so sure. uh, they did really really enjoy that over there um and uh, really you know cool. they they're, they're always oh, good that. they're always shy about uh that they 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 do really take looks at the communities um scattered for all the warhammer races to really like be able to enjoy like what those people are excited and looking forward to and stuff like that um which hopefully uh this one is or the chaos force are going to be delivering on a lot of those uh expectations and hopes um i will say uh yeah the the, the trailer was quite nice i i'm i'm kind of the the basic the the basic bitch i got super excited by the kadai war <laughs> and stuff at the end it was just yeah. yeah you know of all the sounds it could have made i don't know why that just the way they <laughs> went with it where it it really sounds like a you know metallic monstrosity not anything natural um it was very very well done and uh it was just uh it you know this is something i i think y'all especially will feel this way but chaos, i know so many people have been waiting for chaos dwarfs since total war one was announced yeah. uh, the first warhammer game they were like oh i can't wait to see chaos dwarfs and here we are <laughs> you know it took seven <laughs> years but we got there <laughs> well and i also think that ca dragged gw back to it with them mm. and i think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. really important because you can feel the 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 passion and drive for vintage stuff that if we had waited 
for GW to come back around to the concept themselves. You know, seeing the actual literal box flags, the flags that you were supposed to cut out as cardboard from the box of your Lamassu being the back banners for Astrogoth. It's just yes. absolutely amazing. And it's it's something that only CA would probably have dragged the creative influence to go all the way back to 95 and to look at that stuff. Yeah, that's actually uh, what I wanted to start with kind of as our first uh, like real topic is how did y'all feel about so a lot there was a lot of debate right um we talked about it uh when we had like all the podcast members online uh where a lot of people were really worried about which version of the chaos dwarfs <laughs> yeah i like the book show off um which version of the chaos dwarfs are we going to go with right are they going to go with the forge world you know very very serious looking very warrior of chaos looking um, guys with like the pure scale armor or are they going to go with the big hats and instead we saw ca kind of came out and there's a fusion um what are y'all's what are y'all's thoughts on that i love it uh, i mean i they they really pulled it off i mean i was skeptical to be to be honest i mean just from if i, if I look at, at the models on the on the on the tabletop they have different style i mean but it also comes a, a lot from that comes with the way how we used to paint the old big head models. I mean, brighter mm. uh, colors, the goblin green bases, uh, the flag, the flags, the, the the banner poles. Whereas with the Legion of Asgore, everything automatically was dark and grim and lava pits and and eh. uh, So I think they found a good way to to say, well, if we present both in a in a similar overall aesthetic, they actually work together, and I think they pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, we, we like we spoke. We've spoken about nothing else for years now. Like as you said, <laughs> like since the first game released, uh, and uh, we're finally here. Like we're finally part of an actual game, like be it tabletop or computer game. We're we're one of the living teams now, and uh, like what what will they go with? And uh, it, the mix they chosen is uh, kind of similar to also like through the three D prints uh, companies that do. Proxies and uh, the other model companies that uh, have envisioned their version of a, mo a modern take on the Chaos Force. And it's a mix of both, and it's in the best of ways. Mm. I think as well there was something about Tamakam. If you look at the events for the fandom, and none of us have been fans of the Chaos Dwarfs all the way through the, the 25, 30 years, because most of us were like five years old when the 1994 Big Hat range was released, right? But nevertheless, with Tamakan, Tamakan is a beautiful piece of art, and we were spoiled, and they they took away from us as much of the 94 range as they gave us that was new and cool. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Things mm -hmm. were taken away in Tamakan that was sad it wasn't that nobody likes the tamakan stuff tamakan stuff is the best stuff right but things were taken away from us as being too juvenile or too childish or too cartoony too 90s too bright right and then what ca have done is they've said you can have both which is something that we have <clears throat> been doing as a community right. the entire time and and you wouldn't get that any other way. Do you know what I mean? It takes a lot of will to say, I'm going to square this circle. Here's your gothic horror. And here's your buffoons with enormous hats. And <laughs> you can have both. Right? Yeah. And, and the artistic vision is not interrupted. 
Yeah, and I, I, I really like the point you made of uh, something I think a lot of people don't necessarily know about the Chaos Dwarves and which, what kind of, I think, led to a lot of this hemming and hawing is that for a lot of Warhammer Fantasy races, things used to be a lot, not not in a bad way, just in a different way, things used to be kind of a lot goofier back in, like, 5th edition. Like, you look at the old Lizardmen, right? Um, and they were very different, like, not even recognizable for today's. But, um, old slan for instance yeah yeah the slan were literally just big goofy frogs um and then <laughs> um going into sixth edition everything became way more serious um uh, like games workshop <clears throat> kind of figured out a new way to print miniatures which i think when they had the ability to kind of create those slightly well compared to the time you know they were moving from that all that pewter and metal to um pure plastic in a lot of ways and so a lot of ranges got a lot of these updates but the chaos horse didn't you know they didn't make the boat because they didn't come out after fifth edition until tarmacon it was this very sudden like y'all didn't even get like the transition of sixth edition you just went straight to eighth which was like a whole nother beast where it's like all right we need to give these guys a monster that's so big that it'll never be good on tabletop because cannons are just gonna snipe it and <laughs> we also need to give them like these like super serious looking models and uh it, it was such a i think it was such a dramatic shift you know where all the other races either had a very nice progression or they didn't finish the progression like the Bretonians, you know they only made it to six and then they stopped um, you know, the Beastmen made it to seventh and then they stopped, but y'all went from like fifth to eighth, which was such a crazy drastic change. Um, but it is really impressive to see how CA kind of blended it. Like it's, I, I think the biggest thing for me that jumps out is like, you got the classic hats, you got the classic faces and the beards, but the, the weapons and the shields are like really sexy on like the, the classic big mm. dwarfs. Like I'll kind of um, uh, I'll pull this over uh, so people in the uh, watching can see, but I'm sure y'all seen it. But like the unit card art, um, yeah, is, is like absolutely spectacular and showing them side by side, and they look like the same faction, which is way more impressive to me. Like it may not sound impressive to people, but the fact that you can have an Infernal Iron Sworn and a Chaos Dwarf Big Cat Warrior side by side, and you go, yeah, look, they look like they're in the same army. <laughs> it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Like, but but all all the expansions that have come in the Total War franchise, this feels like one of the most fleshy, like biggest uh, expansions there is. Like we have so mm. much in this expansion, and I'm really surprised that they went so hard with the Hawk Goblins. Like we got them all and some more. Like that took me by surprise. Like we're known for the Chaos Dwarves with the hats. And that would have been enough for me, but they also went 100% with the Hobgoblin part. Like, what more can you ask for? Yeah, they they left very, very... Um, so, that that's to, we can go ahead and kind of pivot into uh, talking about... Um, how, how do y'all feel about the roster? It, it's not... Uh, it's like 95%, 98%. Um, the, the biggest missing character is obviously the Chaos Siege Giant, uh, which a lot of people have been kind of discussing, but that's that's not A, unusual, uh, and B, I highly suspect personally that it'll show up in the future, kind of like how we got the Bone Giant, uh, I think about six-ish months after the Tomb Kings came out. Um but uh, other than that, what like the hobgoblin bolt thrower, which we're also missing the 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 spear chucka for the green skin, so that's also not super surprising. Um, 
And I is that everything? Is there anything else that's like really missing from the roster? I think that's it. I mean, uh, so Chaos Jobs always had, I mean, we rarely had something which would be considered a complete roster in fantasy anyway. It was always a, a part partway thing and a, and a scratch build and some. Um, so I think uh, for me, everything is there. I mean, sure, the, the seat design, give it to me. <laughs> give yeah. it to me now. But <laughs> with the rest, I think I would be fine. I mean, I've, I apparently we are able to build fantastic war machines and the the and demon brains and everything like it. That's good. We have hobgoblins. I think even there are orcs, something like that. So, so it looks good for me. Mm. I think I think if I could just pick up where I think we got to about the roster, so yeah. that I dropped out. My apologies, guys. Look, I I think. Um, I think we were worried that we were actually going to lose the Hobgoblins entirely. Mm. Worried they were going to get spun off into a Carnate-style faction. And also mm. because the army is extremely versatile from a game balance standpoint, right? Not having played the beta or anything, but like the, the army has light cav, heavy cav, monstrous cav. It's got artillery, big and small. It's got magic. It's got heavy infantry and it's got ranged. You know what I mean? It doesn't have light infantry and skirmishing, but we, you know, you're spoiled for choice when you look at that roster because you've got something to do almost everything. Do you know what I mean? You've got skirmishes, you've got your hobgoblins, you've got your chaff, you've got your heavy infantry to back things up. There are so many different ways you can build a Chaos Dwarf army. And I think what's so fun about the roster that they've gone with is we're going to be able to do that. Like most members of CDO, they have their slave army, but then they also have their big heavy infantry army. And from that perspective, like there's so much variety that missing something like the siege giant and the hobgoblin, like bolt thrower, it doesn't hurt. You know, it doesn't sting because those aren't integral to the vision. Right. Mm. Uh, also, one thing I found when when you look at the Warhammer Armies project books, which have it all like it has everything every unit with every kind of weapon everything. it's uh nothing is special when everything has everything right you know what i mean mm. so like it doesn't hurt to cut it down a bit a little bit yeah you know it's there, i think there are always people that kind of come out of the woodwork and they're like man dwarves would be so much better if they had like howards and if they had cavalry it's like well <laughs> Yeah, but they wouldn't really be dwarves at that point, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, that that's really good to hear because, and, and uh, you know, I I definitely can kind of see I think from CA's perspective why those two units in particular uh, were probably kind of a lower priority. You know, as much as I think a lot of people love giants, they're not very popular units for a lot of people that played the game. Um, either yeah. in the single player and multiplayer community, there's you know pretty constant uh, chatter about how useless giants are. Uh, and they really struggle. Granted, I think the Chaos or Siege Giant kind of solves a lot of the giant problems because it's so heavily armored. Um, but um, I do think that's something we can look forward to seeing in the future. And uh, I also am curious what they would do uh, for, to really make the bolt throwers useful when you have so many other war machines. Yeah. Um, well, the the point the point of the bolt thrower, from my perspective, is is really you have it so that you can have hobgoblin sub faction. And, and the Hobgoblin sub-faction is not totally hopeless at, at several key tasks. Mm. Um, but I do think the, 
big thing, the single thing that's missing that nobody's talking about, interestingly enough, because I think it, to Total War fans, it doesn't even make sense. But almost every Chaos Dwarf player has is Black Orcs. Um, and ready access to Black Orcs is a really important part of most tabletop armies. Um, and for very good reasons, I don't think anyone's expecting them to be included at a later date. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not as flavorful. Um, right. But almost everyone has Black Orcs, and they are really useful if you're playing on the tabletop, interestingly enough, especially yeah, in the early editions. It wouldn't work time-wise, though, with Grimgor Ironhide being like his own faction and out of it. Like time, Lore-wise and time-wise, Grimgor has escaped, and you know the Black Orcs isn't there anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always been a subject of debate as to like whether whether you continue to have access to them and their mercenaries, whether you continue to have access to them because you keep making your own Black Orcs and trying to perfect it, or whether you just set it anywhere in the thousands of, of years of history. But the truth is that the, mm. the roster doesn't need them. Do you know what I mean? Yep. There are so many yeah. different options. Yeah. We do have the, uh, luckily nowadays in Total War, we do have the allied recruitment system. So if there are any players that are like, mm. They're like, I really want Black Orcs in my army. All you got to do is uh, basically get yourself some green skins under your boot, and you you can have four un four Black Orc units per army, baby. <laughs> and I mean, getting them under your boot is pretty much the spirit of, of the entire early game, I would right. hope. Right? That's, that's pretty much all we do. Yeah, the uh, the Slaves of Tsar Greenskins faction have been having, they've been having a great time, you know, having a house party while the folks are gone, but <laughs> they're, they're coming home now. <laughs> It's going to be a rude, it's going to be a rude awakening. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, so uh, I, th I think my next question for y'all would be, um, how are y'all feeling about the character choice? Um, so uh, there was a lot, just probably infinite amounts of speculation going into the, uh, as there is always with every single DLC about who the leading characters will be. Well, they're not the end all be all of content. You know, they are kind of the flagships and the attention grabbers. And so here we see that, you know, we got Satan the Black being your classic tank and spank melee lord uh, who is like very brightly colored, very classic, like just jump is very poppy, uh, despite the fact that I think personality wise, he is by far the most grim and horrifying of the three. And then you've got, uh, you know, Astrogoth Ironhand, literally the classic, the OG, uh, the big boss himself, who did not. Uh, I think a lot of people were almost kind of expecting him to get kind of like a redesign but they actually just took his classic mm -hmm. design and just tuned it up a bit uh made it more serious looking and he, man he's got some crazy animations uh that we've already seen already just absolutely beautiful animations on him uh and then of course dress the ashen being the you know the lead figure for the tarmacon supplement and then gorda's backstabber uh coming out with one of the most absolutely terrifying looking faces i think i've yeah. ever seen on a creature um so how do y'all feel about the character selection they went with? Um, well, we'll kind of touch on the whole three legendary lord and one legendary hero thing in a little while. Uh, right now, I'm kind of more curious on your thoughts about the actual individuals. Like, we do see that Gorth the Cruel is in the game. Uh, he represents the one NPC faction being the guys who are actually in control of Tsar Nagrand at the start of the game, it seems. Um, so what, what are y'all thoughts on the character choice? Whoever wants to jump in. Then <laughs> uh, let me start. Uh, personally, uh, I like that we have a a uh, hobgoblin as a um, god of backstabber. I think that's that was important. I mean, if you if you include the hobgoblin sub faction, then 
give them a, a hero character. I, I like that. Um, as to the main three guys, I think it's a decent choice. I mean, it was the, it was, uh, Asagoth was to be expected. I mean, he's famous. He was always the, the prime guy. Brazoff mm. as the, as the new guy from Tamarkan. So they had to include him in this. There was no way around it. And if you have uh, Gordas, you need Zatan. So I think it's, it's, it's okay for me. Um, the whole three laws is an, is, is another thing, but just from the, Selection point of view, for me, it's okay. What do you think, Linus? Uh, yeah, I got a lot to say about everything. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> with the Gordus, uh, especially, it's, uh, it's like he is the name, the Hobgoblin that we have. And uh, I'm really curious about how, how his stats will be in the game the, with the Hobgoblins, with their scar tissue in the back, because they backstab each other all the time. And he has the most t- scar tissue and the, is the toughest. And like his special rule in the tabletop with uh, the final wound that he takes, like on a four plus, you don't take it. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's going to be something similar uh, in the total war, like when he has a little bit of health that he gets really, really tanky or something fun like that. So it's amazing to see Gordus. Uh, and uh, the dress ref, it's... Uh, Nothing to say about that. It's just great. And I hope, uh, yeah, he had his special mount and everything. Uh, gonna be fun to unlock that. And uh, I'm curious to see, uh, speaking of the roster, if uh, the Infernal Guard part of the roster will be Drasweft Dash and specific. Like, will he be able to have the helmeted guys uh, and the others will have the uh, hat guys? Uh, because they all have, like, if you look at the roster, they have. We have hatted Chaos Wars with uh, Great Axe, and we have Infernal Guard with Great Axe. And they have the same weapons, except the Fireglaive, which only Infernal Guard has. So what, what do you think about that? Uh, I will say what, what I suspect they're going to do is they're probably going to pull like kind of the classic Total Warism, which is that you're going to have like your quote-unquote basic tier infantry, which will be your Chaos... Well, actually, it'll be your Hobgoblins. And then your medium tier infantry is going to be your Chaos Dwarf Warriors, and then above them, probably from a different building tree, will be your Infernal Guard. And then above them, at the tippy-tippy top, will be the Infernal Iron Sworn, um, is what mm. it's looking like. Um, and then the prop with the Immortals up there. Though I, I, the Immortals might be a Regiment of Renown. I'm not exactly sure, um, based on the count, whether there's there's a Hobgoblin unit that's wearing black robes. And then there's the Infernal Iron Sworn, or the uh, Immortals. One of them is a regiment of renown, but I don't know which. <laughs> I mean, the black robes. I've been really surprised people don't just think that those are just sneaky gits. Uh, and that that you very well could options. be what it is. Like they they could just be regular sneaky gits. Um, and, and that's certainly because I think they've got two knives in the the unit card. But yeah, there you go. Uh, but I, I heavily suspect that, uh, personally, I, I do suspect that the Immortals are going to be the ROR. Uh, I was yeah. kind of hoping to get them as a generic unit. That way you could have a lot of them. But on the other hand, <laughs> if you have them as a Regiment of Renown, you can make them, like, really crazy. Because um, in that case, they would Maybe essentially Maybe it's more be fun. A, yeah, in that case, they could essentially be, like, a very offensive Regiment of Renown version of the um, Iron Sworn. Uh, you know, and that they have a similar stat line, yeah. but instead of shields, they're all we're gonna chop your face off. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I suspect the roster will work. You'll probably have like a basic yeah, warrior right. building uh, that's yeah, like yeah. 
tier one through three or two to three that has your warriors and then you'll have like a tier three to four building that has your iron sworn and you'll you know or your infernal guard and you'll mix it up how you like yeah, yeah. But because as you said with the Tamil book it's quite its own uh, it stands on its own leg and has its own style and with it being the dress of the leader and everything uh, below is kind of like can you say that his uh, it's kind of a prison, you know, where the, they get the mask and the, the mask of shame, and they have to prove themselves. Yeah, they're exiled. So, and the taller hat you have, the higher up you are in the society. So, shouldn't they be like the lowest tier? Like, mo- I don't know, but I think, we'll I think see. From a cultural perspective, they would be the lowest tier. But I think from a mm. who's the best at murdering people on the battlefield, <laughs> it's, yeah, 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 yeah. it's going to be a little different. Um, yeah. that being said though, I, I do suspect you'll probably see things like, I would be shocked to see, like, I bet Zatan is going to be very good at taking your like warriors and your probably your hobgoblins and making them like have a lot of unique synergies and buffs with them to make them very scary. Whereas Draswath mm-hmm. is going to be like, yeah, you want to take infernals, you know, with Draswath because yeah, yeah. he's yeah. probably going to buff them to high heavens. And then Astrogoth will probably mm-hmm. be more your Kadai and your war machines and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Satan, like uh, Satan the Black, I, I really hope that they would include him, and they did. Uh, but why is nothing about him black, and why doesn't he use the cat warhammer that he has in the rules? Like, what's up with the axe and the sh- shield? <laughs> um, it's possible he'll unlock it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I I will say I I, I suspect Zatan um, is probably going to suffer from what I like to call Archon the Black syndrome. Um, which is that there are occasionally characters that have like from a, like a like a really specific lore standpoint, there's something about them that's really famous. Like Archon the Black is typically called that because he's a charred black skeleton, but in Total War he's not. He's just kind of like a regular skeleton, and that happened because in later iterations of the the miniature Games Workshop didn't paint him as a black skeleton anymore. <laughs> you know, in all their books they painted him regular. So uh, part of me suspects what likely happened is either just due to like cultural zeitgeist or games workshop uh somebody was like hey we need a picture of zatan the black and someone at gw looked and was like oh this we have we have a a mini that someone at some point at a tournament has submitted as zatan the black or from our archive (laughs) here he is even though that's not actually what he would look like from purely looking at his story for instance so it's the wiki it's the wiki's fault by the way, because that that piece of art being on that page of the rule book, I don't know if you have it to hand, Lakey. Um, yeah, it's the, right they here. have modeled Zatan the Black on the picture of a generic Chaos Dwarf hero that is on the same page as the text for Zatan the Black. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but that miniature wasn't sold as Zatan, whereas Astrogoth was very clearly sold as Astrogoth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in that context, I got no issue with it. And and not having a black beard, I think the beard straighteners are something that, that we've kind of cottoned onto a little bit like in the last 48 hours or, or so, <laughs> that like both Astrogoth and Zatan have like ironed out the curls of their beards. Hmm. And in the case of Zatan having a grey beard, again, that's kind of implied by the art. I'm comfortable with it. But I kind of wonder if it's an aesthetic choice they made. I mean, we can see some reasons they might have made it, but I also wonder if it's because they want that strong contrast to the Order Dwarfs. They want them to look very much more mm. similar and less like they've gone off on a distinct, 
ethnic group, which which I can understand. Mm. It, it could um, be. But if someone can make a mod to put my beard curls back in, I will be downloading that mod. I, I, would, be sh- <laughs> I would be shocked not to see that in fairly quickly, especially if they're present on any of the other, uh, like, little guys. Um, yeah, part of me, uh, it, it was interesting to see how many white beards uh, show up. A part of me wonders if, like, they're trying to denote, like, different ages or, like, have a little more contrast between the three characters. Uh, where, like, because each, like, when you look at them in the trailer, each of their beards are actually very iconic compared to one another. Uh, when you have, like, Drasgoth, mm. Zetan, and Astrogoth right next to one another. So, part of me wonders if they were trying to kind of differentiate them a little bit. Because um, this, like, Zetan's got that crazy tornado beard. Um, like he's, he's got like a cyclone for a beard, uh, which is definitely a very, uh, unique design, but, uh, Chitskoy, what are, what are your thoughts on like the actual character selection? Just cause I know we haven't gotten around to you yet about it. Uh, yeah. Look, it's a really good question. I think, um, obviously we're all hoping that there will be a fourth legendary Lord in due time. I think, um, that's just because over time you want that variety of start pause and stuff like that. Right. I think that, um, I think I want to see how they execute Drazoath. Because if you spend a lot of time reading Tamakan, and we've had like a decade of no releases with which to read Tamakan over and over and over again, mm. got to remember that Drasoath is hugely disproportionately thought about in the fan base compared to how he's thought about <laughs> in Chaos Dwarf society, right? Mm. Chaos Dwarf society, he's taken a serious knock to his career. He is an extremely, he's on the outs, basically. Um, and the fact that he's got a giant fire-breathing bull that can fly is very normal. You know what I mean? Cinderbreath is very cool. Cinderbreath being the most powerful Bale Taurus ever is something that I hope that people can compensate for, if that makes sense, because he's he shouldn't be. He's just the one they made a miniature of, if that right. makes sense. Mm. Yeah, classic, so, so classic, classic like, he's like, got a name. <laughs> that, you know, that's what's really yeah, and, and one of the things we enjoy the most about it is when you read Legion of, of um, Asgore lore in Tamakan, this is a group of people who are on the outskirts of their society, who are doing particularly badly, who get rolled over by a Nurgle horde, right? It's just a normal day in Warhammer world. They're not, they're not magic. He's not the paragon in the way that Astrogoth is. And mm. so seeing them go with Astrogoth and have his struggle with the Conclave be his storyline really put a lot of faith in me again in the way that they'd understood the vision because you need to have Astrogoth in the center in order to make what's going on with the Legion of Asgore actually interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. They're not the be all and end all. And so I feel like the balance of that is, is pretty great to be honest. Yeah. A part of me um, based on kind of what they've been talking about and stuff, I'm, I'm expect I don't know which way they're going to do it because there's two ways they could do it. I'm curious if they're going to have it where Astrogoth is exceptionally good at the new conclave mechanic they've introduced um, where you're kind of, mm. you know, you're vying for seats and every seat gives you um, some different uh, powers um, that you're able to, you know, claim. And then you like kind of want to work together with the others. So you can unlock the more powerful seats faster, but at the same time you want to usurp their seats. If there's a particular power you really want. Um, I'm curious if they're going to make it where Zat- or, um, Astrogoth is particularly good at it. Or if they're going to make Drasoath particularly bad at it. I don't think they're going to do <laughs> both, but um, I, I'm kind of leaning towards, I, I think that they'll make Astrogoth better at it because that's probably, because generally speaking, you want to be careful when making like a faction or a character bad at something because that can lead to like player frustration. 
Um, yeah, but, uh, but it is, uh, I, I was very excited for the conclave mechanic, like a, the idea that it's also your unique faction confederation where it's like, you managed to take over enough seats, uh, in the tower of czar that you're like, hey, you listen to us now. Like we're in charge. <laughs> Um, it, it, it allows for some really, really, really interesting, Hey, I'm just happy to see a confederation mechanic. Uh, that's always very important to me with a yeah. faction. Uh, there a lot of people out there are very fond of their, gotta, gotta catch them all with their, uh, legendary Lords. Um, but, uh, but, um, yeah, actually, I guess let's just go there. How are y'all feeling about the mechanics we've seen so far? As far as you've got, they haven't shown us everything yet, uh, but they have shown us the conclave. And they've also shown us uh, the tech tree, which is wild. Because um, y'all don't get one tech tree. You have three tech trees. <laughs> um, how, how are y'all feeling about mechanics-wise, what, what the gameplay's looking like for the Chaos Dwarfs? Scared. Scared? <laughs> Why are you scared? Yeah. <laughs> like, I played the game since the, it first came out, but I've won like two campaigns in all these years. I'm so bad at this game. And... Uh, like having so many mechanics, it's gonna be a hoot. <laughs> you know what? It, it you know you'll be like a, a classic demon smith, sink or swim. Think. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, go, Mike. Go. Oh no! Go ahead, Jessica. Uh What I really uh, love to see is that they have this workforce mechanic in it. So that you have to uh, you have to have a look on your do I have enough man or goblet power to actually sustain my diabolical empire which I'm about to um, erect here. Yeah, the turn out mm. war machine after war machine and they will crumble. This 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 I I really like. This is really good. Yeah, the the economy but, is yeah. very like for for a total war warhammer. Uh, faction is super advanced yeah. uh, where you're balancing your yeah, number of yeah. laborers versus the amount of raw materials you have versus the amount of armaments you're producing versus like the, how much money you've got like it's whoo <laughs> yeah. and this for me really i mean this really fits with the with the old chaos dwarf um background or law i mean if you think about what makes the chaos dwarfs uh, different from for example dark elves or other very very Bad, bad people. Hairsoft have have this industrial take on it. They have like they 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 make it. They have like uh, the, every uh, all the all the all the people they subjugate and take back as slaves. They're just part of this whole machinery. They they become fodder for their for their industrious labor. I really love that they they took this and made this part of the mechanic instead of just telling us that this is the case. Oh, by the way, everything you do is built on the backs of 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 like your 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 your, your slave labory. Um, mm. They really have it as a mechanic, which I I I I, I like that stuff. That's, that's cool. What are your thoughts, just going? If there was a big three or a big four of mechanics, then you would it would be just from beyond the veil of ignorance, right? If they hadn't shown us what they'd shown us, it would be power struggles between the sorcerer prophets massive tick fantastic slaves and sacrifice and the balance between the utility of slaves and the sacrifice of sacrifice i feel like that's in there it's like the only 
Total War faction, we're having a complex economy, it feels like the, the right thing to be doing. And I think that's great. Mm. The one thing that, that and, and I talked to Indy about this uh, a long time ago, and, and we've been mulling it over ever since. Petrification. Petrification is the one thing that perhaps cannot be fun in a Total War game. That right. is totally yeah. fundamental to the psychology of a sorcerer prophet. That is probably going to have to be absent in the same way that so much about tabletop miscasting, which is basically where mm. petrification happens to you when you're a Chaos Dwarf player, is you'll be playing along and then your guy will turn into stone and that's it. Um, yep. And that's quite fun when it happens on the tabletop. Like, Jasko and I, we've done that to each other, playing tabletop with mm. each other. But, like, I just don't know if it can have a place. Everything else, big, big ticks, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it kind of leans into, um, uh, like, a little bit of a historical fact for anyone that loves the Total War Warhammer series. But in the original Total War Warhammer 1, when it was um, being developed, they had they had a misfire mechanic. So war machines could misfire just like they could tabletop. But unfortunately, what they, nice. what they found was when they were putting it through like play testers and stuff like that, if people didn't understand the history of the mechanic, they hated it. Like, oh my God, they hated misfiring so much. It was such a frustrating mechanic. I hate it too, and I know the history of it. <laughs> I still hate it after 25 years. I mean, I, I can I can relate. I right. mean, <laughs> As a Lizardman player, I was always like, oh, man, that looks like it sucks. All I did was eat two skinks. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it's so, you know, I do think petrification is unfortunately kind of going to be one of those casualties. Uh, however, I do suspect it'll probably appear in the skill tree. Um, I would not be surprised mm -hmm. to see it be like an ability that if you take it um, will do something like it improves, like either how much winds of magic you can have or how like fast your power recharge rate or something is like that, but it increases your chance of miscasting as it like, I guess okay. represents your sorcerer. Like, is he more risk reward? Um, so like, yeah, sure. You get more magic, but you're going to have like an additional 10% chance to blow yourself up because the miscast system in Warhammer is a little weird um, in that it's not very well explained. I think tends to be its big issue because like it exists and it can actually be very detrimental if you're in a pretty serious fight and you accidentally ping yourself for like 500 damage. Um, and also has like, it has like a random modifier where it's, it's, it can only happen generally if you're miscast or overcasting, though it can happen if there's like a, some kind of modifier on the table, like an enemy is increasing your miscast chance or whatever. Um, but the amount of damage it does is a surprisingly large scale, but the game never explains what the scale is. Like it can be like as little as like 50 to a hundred health. And I've seen it sometimes for like six to eight hundred health like i've seen my skink priest just mm. go because uh, <laughs> he had the misfortune of miscasting um but um I, I i do i do agree with your thoughts that uh it's kind of one of those things it'd be you know i'm sure it would be so fun if it was like they had a passive where they had an increased chance of miscasting but if they do miscast they get like plus 20 armor for the rest of the campaign or something um yeah but like, can we compare it to the sort of Kanan somehow? Like, it has, uh, you do a thing and, and it gains a buff, but it also is a debuff in some ways. I mean, I think, I think the thing for me is just the psychology of it, right? Astrogoth, mm. you can do it through his storyline. The key thing to understand is that these guys are living on borrowed time, and that every time they level up, and every time they, the bigger the spell you cast, the more of yourself you give away. And, and that trade off. But Astrogoth's campaign goals, story-wise, narrative-wise, into a different light. Mm. 
because this is a guy who is at the end of his existence as a soul and everything he is doing is more violent and aggressive and it's faster and whereas you have these younger guys who can afford to bide their time a little bit more and everyone's trying not to cast big spells all the time because if you're <laughs> casting big spells you're turning yourself to stone that's the and to hear that the, they did reference it they did talk about it in astrogoth's backstory and i think that's really important but i'm going to be really interested to see how it plays out even if it's just on his skill tree or whatever because you say so yeah. there's only so many things they can do with it like if you can choose between going more magic and then the lose uh, uh, lose it through time and uh, or maybe like get less melee focused or more i don't know what we'll do but if you can choose choose it somehow uh, but he is already like petrified, uh, all his legs and his hands. So mm. he doesn't have, but he moves, he sure moves fast. <laughs> hey, the, the joys of mechanization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, that, that represents the, the rules. Yeah, so let's actually talk about Astrogoth uh, a bit because, you know, he's the only legendary lord we've really got a big look at. Uh, he's had that like good 20 minute long um, like mechanics reveal. Um, they also had all that lovely uh, battle footage of him literally just like leaping 15 feet in the air and ground pounding people. And I literally have seen an animation where he punts someone into the air, jumps up, grabs them, and then slams them onto the ground, which like, good okay. Lord, he's dunking people. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so how, how do y'all feel about the... Uh, he, it's a very interesting take on a dwarf. Uh, he he definitely stands out. And he's like spewing fire on his hand and throwing it like it's a flamethrower. How, how, how do y'all feel about the Astrogoth design and uh, animations and stuff? Just go ahead. Let's start no, with you I this think time. <laughs> when, I, when, I look at, when I look at him, um, I do think it's a level of physicality that almost was beyond what you imagined when you play on the tabletop. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. when you play on the tabletop with Astrogoth, he's this wizard who walks around in the way that wizards normally walk around in a game of fourth edition Warhammer Fantasy, which is carefully, right? <laughs> and and he is, he's got a low move speed. Um, you don't want to get him into melee. Um, and it's almost like you have like your old, old grandpa kind of trundling around on this this thing. And something that I hadn't imagined, I think the hazardousness of it and the anger of it that comes through in the way that they've designed it really, really excited me in a way that I'd never thought. Of course, Astrogoth is furious all the time. Of course, when he hits you with his arm that has turned to stone, he just, like, fury was something that came through in the anime and i thought yeah. that was really special but you can also see that it's just a labor of love you know yeah, yeah. He, he is yeah. faster though uh compared to the other dwarves uh, in the rules he has the movement yeah. of six and uh like the the death blow uh special attack when it goes into overdrive and pounds and smash and stab like when i read the then i reread this with the eyes of that he is a fast guy that punches people. I get it. Like, it works also, but it, it was not the way I envisioned it when I came into it, if you know. Well, and I, I'm sure for a lot of people, when they hear Astrogoth described or uh, read his stuff, you know, uh, one of, I remember one of the kind of the big discussions um, that I had with various people um, about, like, if he was going to get a redesign is, you know, the kind of the last, one of the last real Chaos Dwarf things we saw in fantasy was the uh, Road of Skulls 
uh, Go Trek and Felix book by Josh Reynolds, where Urs, uh, that is true, but that actually isn't what I want to talk about. My brain just betrayed me. The Wolfric novel also has Chaos Dwarves, and the Wolfric novels um, uh, very famously developed um, some stuff we haven't really seen um, outside of that book. And uh, in it, there's a character who's basically discount Astragoth. Uh, but he kind of has more of like a 40k dreadnought version of a of a suit, a mecha suit instead of Astrogoth's system. And so I think for a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, you know, compared to Astrogoth, this one is so much cooler because you're you think of like this slow plotting, you know, sarcophagus mm. of metal that's like basically unbreakable, but it's crushing people or whatever. But I love that instead they looked at him, they saw how much leaner his machine is and said, nah, man, he's fast. Like, he's still freakishly strong. Like, hydraulics, especially if they're powered by lava somehow, are way scarier um, than you think. But it's like, he's so fast and he's still very heavily armored. His body's made of stone. He doesn't care, you know, if you're going to stab him with a sword. It's like, I'm made of stone. I don't give a... I've only got, this is my only vulnerable bits. <laughs> and um, he, uh, I, you know, he's, he's like a horror movie villain where he's just so freakishly fast and able to get in there and just start tearing through hordes of enemies. Um, it, it really is such a delight. It's not at all what I expected. Um, and it is, yeah. but it's, but it's a delightful interpretation. Definitely. I mean, I, honestly, I think they took a little creative license there in just like they wanted to have a, him faster than than Zatan, I guess. So uh, I could see that they that they thought, okay, here we have a chance. He has a mechanical, high hydraulic, robotic legs thing. Let's make him faster. Have him run with the bolt centaurs instead of uh, slumbering in the back like he did. Uh, in days of the past, in 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 earlier editions. So I think it's a little bit of that. But yeah, it works. It works. And I mean, just on that, we know had Chaos Dwarfs had a seventh or eighth edition release, proper release of Fantasy, we know that Astrogoth would have been like a the complete gaskull treatment Absolutely. of like, he would have, he would have uh, really, uh, yeah, have a different model than we had. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I am really glad they updated his original design instead of putting him just in a 40k dreadnought because it really, it's yeah. very unique and very iconic you know i i think it's important to keep that where we can you know there yeah there are times where you want bigger and better um but there are also times where it's important to look and be like how do we keep the original spirit of this character intact um but still make it absolutely terrifying you know <laughs> i have no doubt that zatan could absolutely crush an orc with his hand the hammer of hashet you know when he's using all of that <laughs> force find it um but uh so beyond that um is there is there anything y'all oh uh no i did remember the point so as far as his design goes kind of the last really big thing we do see is that they do seem to run with that idea that astrogoth because he's so much older and he's so much of his body's petrified he's a lot more cautious now uh when using spells so he doesn't have the full lore of hashit he instead has a mix. He's got the lore of fire and the lore of Hashit, kind of, uh, which seems to, you know, kind of be leaving the door open for Draswath to be the pure lore of Hashit guy. Um, uh, do do y'all think that's like a good way to kind of interpret that little storyline where it's like he doesn't, you, un, you know, unleash maybe the most powerful spells from the lore of Hashit, but instead mixes in the lore of fire so he's got some like safer things to reach for? 
I wouldn't mind if he didn't cast spells at all. Like, if he was so careful with it that if he did it, he took damage automatically or something. When I when I write um, my sad little fan fiction novella uh, on CDO, and I I always think about the psychology of the sorcerer prophet whenever you depict one, and it always comes down to they've got to be smart enough to save the magic for the moment where it really counts. Mm. Um, and I find that restriction really flavorful because it helps to drive that wedge between Trazoath, who's at a different stage of his life, and Astrogoth, who is struggling with something that will never be undone, um, but also full of the hubris to say uh, he wants to turn backwards. And I think it's really nice to see that reflected in gameplay because the temptation to have him be this techless of Hashet do you know right. what I mean? Mm. This like he's the high priest, and therefore his magic is the biggest magic. He's the sorcerer prophet, the supreme one. Therefore, he should be able to cast the spell that ends the enemy army. It's like it doesn't work that way. This is a bad deal that they struck with Hashet. This is a bad deal forever, and you can never get out of it. And to to force the player to acknowledge that at least gives you back something that you can't have if you don't have your characters randomly turning to stone in the middle of turn three, right? Which is obviously right, yeah. where our minds go. Yeah, and uh, and I, I do think it was it was it worked out very nicely that they're able to go, okay, well, since he's got the mecha suit, you know, we can make him a melee powerhouse who's very heavily armored. He seems like he's very well designed to deal with like hordes of enemies and will probably be like he's probably gonna hit pretty hard. Um, you know, or he's he's a true hybrid. You know, the, the 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 wizards that are also extremely good melee combatants are relatively rare, especially because a lot of them rely on mounts. But Astrogoth doesn't. You know, he's just mm. like, nope, don't need that business. I'm just gonna get in there and you know start pounding faces. Um, but uh, uh, the the kind of I think the last thing that I saw that really jumped out at me, uh, though I'll you know I'd love to open the floor to y'all about anything that jumped out at you. Uh, after this, uh, from the Astrogoth reveal, is we did see that there are two lord choices, uh, two generic lords. Um, we do have, of course, the Sorcerer Prophet, which everyone expected, but we also have the Chaos Dwarf Overseer, um, which appears mm. to be the, I would assume, the melee variant, so probably like the generic version of Zatan, um, which is, yeah. that, that's a fun title. Uh, instead of just the Chaos Dwarf Lord, we've got the Overseer, which is a very nice, I always love when they have original, uh, or like uh, unique uh, monikers for their character types like you know when you have a dwarf lord and a bretonian lord it's kind of like eh. <laughs> we, we could try a little harder <laughs> um, noble um, so were y'all were y'all at all surprised or pleased to see that there's kind of that generic melee lord as well instead of it just being the sorcerer prophets no uh i mean so uh, the, the Chaos of Lord or Overlord or Overseer, depends on which army this army book you're, you're looking at, um, is important. I mean, it's, 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 your, it's your main melee lord um, choice. I think, I mean, what is a little sad is that we, we lack the, so there is no um, bull or lord level. So this would have been something which would have, I mean, personally, I would have loved to have followed that line uh, of Chaos Dwarf uh, society uh, to its final conclusion, having like a an uber big bull centaur law. Um, mm. Because bull centaurs, I mean, apart from just being awesome, 
um, so iconic, so important for the for the law, for the for the background. Um, this is something I wish I would re really have that have loved. But maybe maybe it's together with the siege behind that. Yeah, and we, we do see the bull centaur Tarek, but it looks to be a hero choice. Exactly. As to a lord choice. That's, exactly. That's mm. the yeah, that's the hero level, which is fine. Good that we have him. Very important uh, uh, guy in the in the in the in the roster. Yeah, for sure. That kind of that kind of brings us on to to one of the things that people aren't thinking to talk about quite a lot, which is we were quite surprised not to see Shato. Um mm. and. If you had asked me to guess the four legendary lords, I probably would have my my pick for fourth slot would have been either um, Oglakan or some kind of hobgoblin only goblin Khan in a kind of Skarsnik role, right? Or um, Shator, and that's because we basically, as a community, struggle to remember that Shator was released after AOS was launched. Because it was so obvious to us that it was part of the design work that went into the Tamakan release to create Shator the Executioner, which if you're not aware of him, guys, you can Google him. But like, he's the giant bull centaur named character, the only one we ever had. Yeah, gorgeous um, And he's so it, it, absolutely beautiful, right? And, and enormous, by the way. Anyone who's looking at it on Google, you have to understand how big Shator is compared to even the bull centaur renders. Um, but like, yeah, we we kind of assumed it would either be that or like a Silostra style bull centaur lord that they came up with themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I will I will be holding a candle for that concept. Um, if I could ask for one thing in a DLC to the DLC, it would probably <laughs> be a named bull centaur. Mm. But uh, when you think about him. Uh, uh... The Tamrakan book uh, was supposed to have a follow-up book, right? It was campaign books. Right. Do you think that the uh, Shartor the Executioner would have come in one of those? Because the sculpt was ready with the Tamrakan, right? But it wasn't included in the book. Right. So, the same way the Destroyer was sculpted but never launched. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Right. So for, for anyone in uh, that's listening and is wondering what the hell we're talking about, so uh, Tarmacon was a Forge World exclusive campaign book that was released alongside Warhammer Fantasy. It wasn't the only book they ever released. They also released the Monsters Arcanum, which followed up from Tarmacon, which just added in a bunch of like super badass monsters. And it also took like the Chaos Dwarf monsters and like expanded on them some more and cleaned up uh, some of their rules and give them more options um but um we know for a fact based on writings in the tarmacon book as well as interviews that were done with the the authors afterwards that tarmacon was supposed to be the first of four books um there was going to be one for each chaos god so tarmacon was the nurgle book and then there were supposed to be three more books that each focused on a different chaos invasion in a different part of the world because they all happen kind of simultaneously because they were all competing over the throne of chaos, which is the whole point of Tarmacon is that he's going for the throne uh, by taking the city of Nuln, but he fails. And so his three brothers who there's one for Zinch, one for corn, one for Slanesh were also going to attempt this goal, but in other places of the world. Um, however, Warhammer fantasy, unfortunately got canceled uh, during this, time which was a horrible blow to of course any and all fans but um it was already confirmed that there were a number of sculpts already completed for the next book um including most likely shartor 
Um, and uh, we even knew there was like there was like a fourth or third battle of Blackfire Pass book, which is where the Giant River Troll Hag and the Squid Gaba came from. Um, which the Giant River Troll Hag was, uh, it, and it's weird because like the Giant River Troll Hag did not come out for fantasy really. Um, it kind of came out afterwards because it didn't release with the book. There's no public published book anywhere that has rules for the Giant River Troll Hag. It doesn't exist because her book never came out. But she did get included in Total War Warhammer as yeah, a, yeah. a generic hero for the Greenskin roster, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we have had it confirmed by Creative Assembly that Games Workshop, when they came to Games Workshop and wanted to use Shartor, Games Workshop said, no, he's an Age of Sigmar character. Um, which the only reason I can you... possibly think of them doing that is that, uh, you know, we have a lot of hints coming up about AOS uh, Chaos Dwarfs. They're uh, building up to it big time in recent times. And uh, maybe Shartor is going to be returning with a plastic sculpt. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, uh, otherwise, I mean, he's an AOS character. No, he's not. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, so I know. It's, it's like point, I mean, point to a <laughs> single, literally point me to a single line of text anywhere in the world where it says Shartor exists in AOS. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, because he's an AOS character, uh, I've seen him and played in tournaments. Like, for me, he was never... He was never a fantasy character, and I would never think he to be included in the Total War. Uh, I thought maybe, like, the Master of Madness or one of them real old sculpts would be some kind of... re-envisioned uh, as a cool lord with his own kind of lore because they've done it before with uh, the whole vampire coast uh, faction and like they they can do their own stuff we know that yeah i i do very much hope and i like i could tell y'all i could tell y'all i have been i have blown up some very unfortunate people's emails politely of course uh that i would i would literally sell one of my kidneys to get a bull centaur legendary lord even if it's an original character um, but I, <laughs> I'll never forget being at a bar in Horsham, uh, for the Vampire Coast release. Um, I was over there and, uh, like the looks on their faces about Celestia Deerfon when it's like, how, uh, did y'all have fun with that? And they were just like, because <laughs> just the, the approval process of creating an original character, sending it to Games Workshop, getting notes back from Games Workshop about, no, that won't work, no, that won't work, this needs to change, and them going, okay, change the character again, send it back, they send it back, okay, you need to do this, 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 send it back, send it back, and they're just like, <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> and, and that is part of why we were scared about this DLC we were reticent about it right and we've been talking about it not just since we spoke to you but you know on brazen broadcasts going back to the very beginning of the the modern version of the the show like we've worried about it because of the propensity for for gw to take it in a direction that that ruined it somehow and ca have absolutely nailed it on here and i think if they do come back to the concept of a bull centaur legendary lord i think they will get it right um, I think, yeah, the only in- thing that we've interpreted this Shartor thing is, is very obviously means that he's going to be used in Oathbreakers. But like the idea that the Legion of Asgore War Scroll for AOS counted as being taken seriously by Games Workshop is a fallacy, right? That, that was an afterthought <laughs> War Scroll. And at Late Tide knows this better than me because he plays AOS and you've played that War Scroll and you know how uncompetitive it is, right? It was just a classic piece of shelfware. Uh, it was in the Swedish uh, team, uh, like Tears Wars played for the Swedish team, 
uh, one year, I think. So they were competitive for like a month there. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's going to be the case with a lot of the legacy units. Um, the, yeah, the legacy exactly. units being the kind of like the older rosters that carried over is that there was a little time they were competitive and the Games Workshop was like, okay, we're going to stop pretending to care about these now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not selling these anymore. But That's hey, the key thing, right? Because every... they carried on. Oh no, go ahead. They carried on selling uh Asgore stuff off the Forge World store for some time into AOS one. Um, which was good because we all knew that we had to buy it now, now, now. Um, because it was really obvious that they were not going to be coming back for it. But now all of that stuff is gone. You know what I mean? Not just the Asgore stuff, but like almost all of the previous fantasy stuff that was on the Forge mm. World store is gone. Yeah. Um, the and last, the last from that perspective... Year, the last year especially, they pulled everything off. Like um, Tarmacon stuff, I think, was on there till about halfway through second edition AOS. And you could plausibly take it in in your Nurgle army for AOS, and they had putrid blight laws and all that kind of stuff. And then also, you could plausibly use it in 40k if you wanted to. And and then they had, of course, the uh, a lot of the monsters which were on there until very recently. Yeah. Um, like the the Dread Saurian um, only got taken down like in the last ooh, I want to say like six months. Um, which it it seems very like we know Forge World is heading up um, a lot of the um, the old world. Uh, though they have confirmed that they're doing plastic, which is really nice, uh, at least for the like regular units, uh, which we saw in the most recent um, article with the Bretonians and the Tomb Kings. But uh, it seems that they're clearing space. Um, you know, they're they really do seem to be getting rid of everything they don't absolutely need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to to kind of make way for what's coming. Um, but uh, so just kind of opening up the floor to you guys, is, is there anything about the Chaos Dwarfs uh, that you that you are kind of like wondering about? Or is there anything that you saw in the trailer, the gameplay footage or any of the stuff that's kind of jumped out at you? Uh, we do still have a couple of unsolved mysteries. Like we don't know what armaments are really for yet. We, we've seen them and they were very cheeky about, oh, look, here's a mechanic for the armaments are for. But they didn't click on it because they're jerks. Um <laughs> And we we did of course see that there's some kind of railway mechanic uh, that looks very similar to Cathay's convoy system, um, or caravan system. The Chaos Dwarf one is called convoys, um, but we we're not hundred percent sure what that is yet. Um, is there is there anything that really uh, leaps out at y'all? So Nikki, you're the if you if you read <clears throat> Amakan, reason why yes, the, the convoys idea interests me, we we really do, guys. We have really been reading nothing but Tamakan for ten years. We've just read it over and over again. But it's a beautiful book and it's worth a lot of every money because we're all trying bed. to buy a copy. <laughs> Genuinely, though, I everyone knows the moment that they moved. They moved from a from a digital copy of of Tamakan to a physical copy, and it's a beautiful moment in any Chaos Dwarf Online member's career. But look, 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 let's be super clear, right? These are slavers, and when they go on campaign, they harvest slaves. Mm. And we know that we have Dark Elves doing that in, in Sierra Ready, but like in Tamakan, it's super clear. Once they get through the pass and they've beaten the Night Goblins, it is explicitly stated that the Chaos Dwarfs set up trading posts all the way through, all the way back to the Darklands, and they're funneling villagers from the Central Empire during Tamakan's campaign with all the Nurgle stuff going on, and they're funneling them back to, to Zana Grund. Um, and I wondered if that might be something that doesn't make it. 
Um, and I wondered how they would disentangle slaving as an activity um, from everything that, that is going on, obviously, with the greenskins. Um, and I think it's probably not going to make the cut, but I would be interested to see how the train railway network thing manifests because that is the only reference to it in the book, right? Mm. So CA will have been reading Tamakan back to front and that's where they would have gotten that idea from. The only thing is that that's obviously intended to be used specifically for harvesting slaves. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious if it's... Because there are so many different directions they could go with it as far as like... Is it going to be a system that's about, like, connecting? Because it, when it, they opened it, it looked like it had a bunch of predetermined paths. Like, uh, it was like a bunch of, you know, like spider webs going out everywhere. So I wonder if it's going to be like, this is like a very, because, like, we know they have this really complex economy. So, the you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people criticize, I know I criticize it um, about uh, some of the races, is that a lot of them have, like, a unique resource, and but it's very self-contained. Which, for some races, makes sense. Like, for Tehenuin, is he going to do anything with his captives other than sacrifice them to Sotek? No. He's just going to cut people's hearts out and, you know, Kali Ma and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, for the Dark Elves, the, the slaves are supposed to be a much more interesting... Like, they're, they're kind of a little oversimplified, right? Um, like, there's not really any type of slave trading with the other Dark Elf factions, uh, which I think a lot of Dark Elf players would very much like. And we do know that the Dark Elf slaves have been experimented very heavily with. Um, we can see that it was very obviously in preparation for the Chaos Dwarves, um, which I, I do want to address something that I have seen come up a lot in the community that I just want to kind of answer now because I, I can confirm this for a lot of people. I, I literally got a message from someone that asked me, do you think they're calling the Chaos Dwarf slaves laborers to be PC? And it's like, no. It's a different it's a different mechanic from dark elf slaves. So to let people not be confused, they call dark elf slaves slaves and they call chaos dwarf slaves laborers because they do different things. They're still unpaid laborers. <laughs> they're still forced laborers. <laughs> it's just a you know, it's just they're they're cutting down on you know, they don't wanna just you know, they don't wanna give you a, a sentence of like unpaid forced laborers like that's just a mouthful just laborers is fine but that's um never retiring uh unpaid yeah but uh, some of the memes that we've seen on that topic have been pretty funny but yeah because and it was obvious it wasn't about being pc because they left the dark elves in and that's yeah not, you know they're not that incoherent uh but you know it's like something that i it definitely will not be in at the Chaos Dwarf launch, but something I would love to see hypothetically one day would be a mechanic where you could exchange like slaves and laborers between the Dark Elf Chaos Dwarves to really allow players to explore that dynamic. You know, one of the, I think one of the main criticisms of Immortal Empires for a lot of people tends to be what's known as the Order Tide, which is that all of the Order factions tend to get along very nicely. Um, so they have a tendency to bandy up into a big swarm of all the good guys and a lot of the bad guy races can really suffer because of that. Um, I think the most exciting thing for me for the Chaos Dwarves, for, uh, for those who are not going to be playing them is the chaos wars are such a critical linchpin in the the alliance of baddies 
because they are like the ultimate race when it comes to no we work with all the evil races because at the end of the day as long as we get what we want like we don't care and they you know they supply the forces of chaos with all those crazy weapons and armaments and stuff they're willing to work with the greenskins in order to get more greenskin slaves by using the tribes against one another you know i would have zero doubt from a lore perspective that even though i'm sure they fight as often as they work together you i would believe a billion times that there have been dark elf black arcs uh positioned at the you know the, the mouth of ruin to trade with the the chaos dwarfs because uh, they're like hey you know we got some of these you got some of these you know chaos dwarfs are very particular a lot of times about their slave quality um it's like yeah we've got hordes of greenskins but we could really use like maybe we want the blood of these very specific slaves for a ritual or we need slaves that are less stupid <laughs> you know we, we could use some better human quality um you know someone that we could actually trust to be near a forge and not stick their hand in it because um you know orcs and goblins are going to be orcs and goblins but um do y'all have any kind of hopes about like the chaos wars as as far as how they'll function with the other factions the other races within the game because like we're really you know the chaos dwarves uh something that came up a lot when i was doing the q a that you know required kind of a lot of inferring as opposed to being able to directly read is how they interact with everyone you know this is going to really be the first time we get to see the chaos dwarves play with all the different races yeah i think shits uh, will know this but, but uh they use the slaves uh, as sacrifice in different uh, magic means, like one kind of slave is better than the other for this kind of sorcery. And uh, like, a Chaos Dwarf has never been to Lustria, like, that I know of, but Chits may, may know more. But this may be the first time we get to go to Lustria. Yeah. I mean, and Jasko, I don't want to tread on you before going on another rant. Anything no, you didn't. About that? No, it's fine. Uh, well, no, I mean, just to the, to the last point... Chaos Dwarfs are really, uh, they view every other living being as beneath them. I mean, mm. for sure. They, they have con contempt for everything and everybody. And um, they would always prefer, I guess, they would always prefer just taking from you what they want than to bargain with you or to barter with you. But um, that being said, I still ex expect them to, to uh, be, as you said, Shotek, this intermediary because... They have interest in everything. They need labor. Um, so I could very well see them at exactly this point with like, yeah, trading, slave trading, uh, their weaponry, their machinery for stuff they need. Because on the other, on the flip side, Chaos Drop in, in the law, there are very, very few. This is a very, very small group of individuals, um, even way less than then the ancestors dwarfs, and they are already considered to be rare, and, and mm. they lost billions of dwarfs in the right. Well, war I mean, we've seen we've seen there's only four of them. Like, there's only four chaos war yeah. factions in the entire Immortal Empire's map. You got a whole plan. You got four of them. Yeah, exactly. So they have to they have to uh, uh, interact with the other races uh, because I mean they they haven't been put up to probably they can't. It's just not enough. <laughs> to stay to Lustria. So right. they, they need the Dark Elves to do that, bring some uh, awesome Taurus warriors back as uh, fantastic um, workers in the forge. Hmm. All right, just go yeah. what you got. But, for, but 
my mindset, they, they hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they hate everything. Um, we got poetry to prove it. Yeah, look, I think, um, I think the key thing that people often miss about the dwarfs is that they, well, the chaos dwarfs is that they are extremely insular. They have no interest in expansionism. And it would take something narrative like the drill of Hashit or the fall of whatever mm. to prompt them to to leave the Darklands at all. Because the Darklands has everything they need for their very awful life that they live because of Hashit and the deal that they made with him, right? Mm. They they have all the coal, all the plentiful green skins that they can use to, to get stuff done. And then their society is focused inward. But in a similar way to the Skaven, a lot of people also don't realize nobody knows the Chaos Dwarfs exist um, because the Order Dwarfs in the World's Edge Mountains keep it ruthlessly secret and people generally die if they go through or near the Darklands, right? Hmm. Because the Chaos Dwarfs themselves do not leave a very, very small five mile radius most of the time outside of their fortresses except in man of war where we have a giant navy and we travel all around the world but we forget about man of war because it's not important and in that context right what is so important to the gameplay and i think you touched on it earlier so tech right is fundamentally how are we going to interact with warriors of chaos factions and how much will that be a mechanic that you can participate in because we already know we supply the hell cannons because we crew the hell cannons as well right and from that perspective arms dealing thing is really important but just one last thing that, that viewers might not be aware of if they haven't read Tamakan by Tamakan and read Tamakan um, Tamakan <laughs> contains a very clear description of the way in which the Chaos Dwarfs have to be beaten in battle by the Nurgle Horde before they will even get out of bed to help the other warriors of Chaos Faction do you know what I mean? Mm. and there is a long drawn out battle between Drazoath and Tamakan before Drazoath signs on with Tamakan's horde and joins him in his adventures. That it demonstrates to you that we are not arms dealing out of like an interest in Chaos Undivided. Do you know what I mean? This right. is something yeah. that Purely is self-serving. political mm. and difficult. And, and, and that's really important to balance out because without that, you're missing that key alliance of villains aspect. But like with that, obviously have to have some complexity and some violence i probably would be more comfortable if you didn't have warriors um chaos dwarf stacks showing up in the warriors of chaos end game crisis for instance skaven right. and beastmen showing up in that crisis makes perfect sense chaos dwarfs showing up i i start to think that's not worth doing not because it wouldn't hmm. be cool not because it wouldn't add variety but because it wouldn't be lawful and it wouldn't kind of make sense because there aren't big spare armies of chaos dwarfs just hanging around ready to do invasions whenever you want them yeah and i i will say i'm very glad that ca like i i do hope we get significantly more of them but they have been fairly restrained when it comes to um for those who haven't played the game or at least not recently in warhammer 3 we have what are called uh, in-game crises and the in-game crisis is basically that when you play through the campaign, uh, once you've achieved your long term, well, you can have it trigger much earlier if you'd want. You can have it triggered on turn five if you want to just have a horrible time. Uh, but you can, uh, a crisis is basically that um, you have a list of races and one of the races basically goes Super Saiyan. A An event happens essentially in their storyline where they are just like, we're going all out and we're going to destroy everything. 
Um, and currently we have them for the Wood Elves, the Tomb Kings, though the Tomb King one's a little funky because it's technically Nagash, but he uses Tomb King armies and Nagash himself is obviously not present yet. Um, but it's not, it's like not the Tomb King characters. It's just the Tomb King faction. Uh, but you got the Tomb Kings, the Wood Elves, the Dwarfs, the Skaven, and there's one more and I'm forgetting who it is. Um, but it doesn't matter. But in any event, um, I do hope one day we will get like the Warriors of Chaos to have one. And then Korn will probably have one. And Zinch. But uh, I do look for uh, vampires. Thank you. Vampire Counts is the last one. Um, I I am very much looking forward to... Uh, I really hope the Chaos Dwarfs get one because that would be insane. <laughs> where it's like they're finally coming out of the forges and like you just see like... You just look in the Darklands and see like eight twenty stacks. <laughs> stores coming for you like how <laughs> they figured out cloning <laughs> but um uh it, it it uh i do i do agree that i'm very very curious to see how they're different inter oh yeah i forgot about the green skin one as well uh i am very cool. curious to see how they're how they're gonna play uh with the other factions because they do really have a very unique um relationship like they've been doing a good job but like the forces of the forces of chaos like they kind of work together um but it's like the beastmen and the warriors of chaos like the beastmen are such a weird faction especially when played by the ai that it's hard to play with them as an ally um but i, I think the warriors of chaos will finally like be like oh thank god we have a you know we have a bro <laughs> with the chaos dwarves yeah. and the dark elves tend to work more with like the vampire coast um as opposed to anybody else um but yeah it, it will be uh it will be interesting to see um so if y'all don't have any particular topics you'd like to hit i would like to kind of look at opening the floor up for the the chat i do have a, a chat open here for the live stream uh for if anybody has any questions for y'all um or uh about how like whether chat has any questions about how y'all are feeling about a particular thing or if you have any predictions or ideas for a different thing uh i'll kind of be looking vaguely over there if anything comes up while we're continuing to talk um but uh i will ask you guys this playing a chaos dwarf campaign is there any particular race you're looking forward to fighting against with the chaos dwarfs or is there any particular area you're looking forward to trying to conquer with the chaos dwarfs grim the answer is Grimgore. Yeah, I, I have seen so many posts of people who either want to play as Grimgore or people who want to play the Chaos Horse and finally curb stomp Grimgore after what he did during the end times. <laughs> Grimgore. Yes. Grimgore, Grimgore and, and I would have a lot of respect for playing Grimgore and just beeline straight to the Darklands. Like throw your throw your campaign plan out and just Dude, go straight we all, there. And we all knew the second they released Immortal Empires and they were like, hey, we moved Grimgore's start position and we saw where he was. It was yeah. like... It's happening. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> but for me, the second one would be um, the uh, Order Dwarf, actually. I mean, I always love the, the, the Civil War kind of mirror matches. And um, yeah, this for me also would be like kind of uh, very fluffy to go back to the World's Edge Mountains and be like, okay, so just yes. let's settle this one once for all. So, the question is, are you going to occupy all the dwarf holds or are you going to raise them to the ground? <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. As I said, they're they're not they're they're not enough ghost dwarfs to. I mean, they're not enough order dwarfs to mend them all. So <laughs> you're gonna burn them. Burn it all. No. I think the um no. the element of which, like the the abandonment by the the order 
dwarf gods. I think there's a lot of desecration, a lot of revenge, a lot of hurt. These are the things that I like to explore in my writing in particular. Most of it unpublished as now. Um, but later on in the story, it's very, very important psychologically that the Chaos Dwarfs were faithful, you know, Valaya worshipping, like Grimgi worshipping dwarfs. When the time of troubles happened, when the time of chaos happened, they had nothing. Nobody came for them. They were stuck there. And Hashet is what happens when you get abandoned in the middle of the downfall of world right <laughs> hasha is a bargain that you strike when all your other gods have abandoned you and mm. that's why it's such a terrible deal but the, it was it was hasha or oblivion and they chose hasha but that was because the order dwarf gods were nowhere to be seen and that goes all the way back to fourth edition mm. so uh we do have a couple of little questions that have uh slipped in here so uh one is uh this is this is actually a great question um which of the faction colors is your favorite so far so we've seen it looks like zatan's kind of got that like crazy blue and yellow like he's got like blue with like the flame patterns with like bright yellow and red we've got uh astrogoth seems more like kind of like a black and gold um uh, with maybe some greens in there and then um uh looks like draswath is going to be kind of like your classic like dark reds um do y'all do y'all have kind of a favorite of the three so far the red for me so for you it's the it's the Classic. the the oh my god what the heck is this faction the legion of asgore colors yeah yeah classic asgore and i mean i love this the the the, the molten helmets of i guess the iron sworn yeah that yeah, was that's a really cool way to be like how do we make iron sworn different from infernal guards it's like what if I they will, never I, stop I will take burning for my, uh, yeah i will take that for my tabletop dwarf <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, that's, uh, i, I don't envy trying to paint that on there but yeah it'll look great <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think some texture paint probably some crackle paint you know that's a great point that's a great point. Some talent. I get I get scared of lava painting. I, I have a lava theme for my lizardmen. I pay other people to paint them. <laughs> I, I only paint my ghosts. <laughs> uh, what about uh, yeah. what about our Swedish friend? What, what's your favorite color scheme? Um, uh, even though I'm uh, disappointed in Satan not being Satan the Black, uh, but I love his uh, I love their take also. Like it's colorful. It's uh, awesome. Okay, great. And Jitsukoi? I do think um i do think it's good to see blue um <laughs> i think I, it's not that it's not that i prefer the zetan color scheme exactly it's that i'm glad they decided to mix it up a little bit right mm. i mean i think i think i will probably stick with astragoth um but i do think that like mostly fans of the 94 army book and that's why lakey's got his <laughs> got his backdrop the way he has and that's, that's usually that's usually the aesthetic that we're all collectively shooting for i have to say it's it's a beautiful backdrop uh so another question we have um how do y'all feel so one one of the units that has kind of taken over the cultural zeitgeist for people that i would say are not familiar with the chaos dwarves so a lot of people that were going on to youtube videos and wanting to learn about like all the potential units one of the units that kind of seemed to grab a lot of people though it only exists in the wolfric novel only place that ever gets mentioned are the so-called chaos dwarf harridans 
Um, do y'all yeah. have any feelings about like, do you want to see the Herodons or are you kind of like, ah, that was a weird little black library thing and no, thank you. Uh, do y'all have any thoughts about that? But for those in chat that have no idea what those are, the, the Herodons are essentially like, uh, so the chaos dwarf society tends to be very patriarchal heavy. Um, but the Herodons were, uh, chaos dwarf women or dames. Uh, who were past childbearing age. So since they couldn't bear kids anymore, they might as well be warriors. And instead of just being like regular warriors, they turned into these like terrifying, badass, almost like warrior monks um, that were the bodyguards of sorcerer prophets. And apparently they wield big two-handed weapons and they don't wear a ton of armor. So they're, they're almost kind of like slayers. But instead of seeking to die like against a big monster, they seek to die by protecting the sorcerer prophet. Though they would much prefer to just like cleave your head in. It's your our, our resident keeper of the of the tomes, what is <laughs> For me, for personally, I thought the Haridans were really cool. Mm. Um, I I really like the question of fertility and dying races. Um, and I think if if a race is really dying, then fertility becomes actually extremely important part of their culture. Um, and dwarfs, although chaos dwarfs are somewhat immune to it because we've got demon stuff, dwarfs, elves, you know, the status of, of gender relations in those societies, putting aside anyone's fears about political correctness, it's something that if you tackle it in a mature way, it makes sense. I like the Harridans on that basis because it was a way of taking dwarven females, which if you don't know Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, they have a whole set of books about order dwarven females and the way that fertility in dwarven society works. And even in order dwarven society, not very many of those beardy male dwarfs you're seeing are actually getting to reproduce. Mm. Um, it, it Harridans and the idea of Harridans as this kind of post harem to a sorcerer prophet but no less like edgy and badass for it do you know what i mean it mm. felt cool and well realized putting it into the game probably poses as many questions for ca as it it answers um and the roster doesn't demand it there's nothing missing that they fill in um, so from that perspective, for me, I think it would be pretty cool, yeah. I, I think that CA would do it well, and it would be one of the most interesting things they could do to innovate a bit without losing touch with the law. And I yeah. think that's a good and balance. I, I just need me more lady dwarfs. Like, I'm... Maybe... Could... Oh, go ahead. Maybe the immortals. The immortals may be Herodans in Mask. <laughs> Very possible. The great Very reveal. <laughs> We've had some serious conversations about that mask. Hey, the, um, yeah. The, and if anyone's interested, yeah, oh, uh, actually, uh, okay. So real quick, let me get, uh, uh, let me get the last. Uh, what, Herodin, any thoughts, Herodins? Okay, so oh, since you brought it up, I think that's actually a great thing to swerve into real quick. What do y'all think of the Immortals? Because they're they're very unique compared to everything else we see in the unit card art. Like those death masks are pretty serious. Yeah, it's a cool unit for sure. But um, if they're gonna be immortal, immortal, I, I'd like a big ass shield to go with it. <laughs> they're immortal. Why? You don't need shields if you're immortal. <laughs> That's true, though. You can't, yeah. can't die. <laughs> they don't. They don't need armor at all. Then <laughs> it's, it's just it's just there for style points. <laughs> yeah. But... 
Yeah, so, I mean, the unit card looks looks excellent. I mean, and I am I'm pretty. Sh I mean, I'm sure they are the the regiment of renown. I mean, it's, uh, that does seem like it, it would be for a, if a if the chaos dwarf factions regiment of of renown is hobgoblins, that would be a a, a huge uh, kick in the in the dwarf. Uh, <laughs> so, I I demand I demand that the models will be the, the, the awesome regiment of renown with an awesome unique look with the masks really setting them apart from the rest mm. yeah and uh, something something i i uh, this is a theory i kind of posited in one of my videos and i'm curious how y'all feel about it and that it almost kind of feels like the design for the immortals was kind of reverse engineered from black orcs in the sense that we know a lot of you know one of the most famous things is that da immortals with a z uh grimgore ironhide's you know personal bodyguard um and buddies that he goes on out on the town with are of course Grimgore based them off the actual immortals because apparently they were the one thing that was so impressive or so terrifying to Grimgore that he, you know, they just stuck in his brain forever. And you can almost look at the Black Orcs we have now, especially their helmets and the way like their their faces are, and you could see how the immortals are similar to that, almost as if the Black Orcs based the design of their own armor after they saw the immortals. Of themselves and were like, oh, those lads are dead hard. We want to look like them. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious if y'all like agree with that or if if you think or it, well, well, you know, feel free to do with that what you will. <laughs> it's a good. Well, I would say so. Uh, that... Go ahead, Jessica. Sorry. No, no, no. That was a, that was all I I wanted to say. Please, just go. I think I think we are pretty sure we know in the community what exact tabletop miniature uh, that immortal unit card is based on oh do we um, have a picture and if anyone if anyone uh we probably shouldn't do that so tech oh okay um it is a it is a non-games workshop miniature oh All right. um yeah <laughs> it is a proxy um from a from a third party blah 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 come and come and join our discord if you want to have a, a chat about it but it's no longer available for sale either so and and look it it looks awesome um and i think we have a big problem with the chaos dwarfs from a roster perspective which is how many flavors of heavy infantry that move slowly does one faction need right um, and if you read our fan books that we've been playing with for all these years, like the Warhammer Armies Project one, shout out to Matthias Ellison. Thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Um, we have like, in a full fan codex, we have like eight or nine different slow moving, heavily armored, heavy infantry options. Um, and while the Order Dwarfs make that work quite well, like it gets a bit excessive sometimes. Mm. Fighting... The immortals in as their own unit type compared to regiment of renown it would have been redundant because we've got infernal guard and then iron sworn on top of that and you end up in that kind of marvel versus capcom like who would win in a fight between all of the different chaos dwarfs in heavy armor right and having them as a regiment of renown is just like sweet spot you still get it you still get the aesthetics you still get all of it but don't have to have a bloated roster I'm, I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. And yeah, I think if that's what they've done, that they've made the right choice. Did anyone ever think we'd be having a conversation where the words bloated roster and chaos dwarfs are in the same <laughs> <laughs> sentence? Wow, that just no. goes to show. <laughs> we, we have that debate all the time. Okay. There's a huge argument about 
the notion of chaos dwarf berserkers by, by huge argument i mean i disagree that's the that's it that's the entire <laughs> they're, they're called heritants that, that <laughs> those should, are your berserkers <laughs> that we should have right that we should have fire look, when people convert fire slayer models right they want to have chaos dwarf slayers but they don't want them to be infernal guard and so they want to have like topless chaos dwarfs with with plaited hair and two axes and like to me that is like one step too far right we don't right. need everything all the time other people love those models and they make loving conversions and they make things that I could never possibly make. And like, so from that perspective, within the tabletop community, because we only have had our own material to work with for decades, bloated rosters is all we basically know how to do. Right. Because yeah. we make up our own <laughs> models all the time. Yeah. It's a, how, how many variants can I make of this one unit type? <laughs> exactly. But, Guy uh, with axe. Yeah. Uh, so another question that came in here that I thought was interesting. So one of the things that Total War does, and they do really well, is they have these little vignettes or um, art pieces that when different events occur in the campaign, so like you get a rebellion at one of your settlements or a character dies or you form a diplomacy pact with someone, these little artwork pieces show up and they've got like this cool little movement to them uh, as they like slowly fade to being like almost kind of black and white. Um, is what... Is there anything that comes to mind for you for an event that what uh, vignette are you pro do you think you're the most excited to see? So uh, the vignettes we typically get is there's one for when a diplomacy pact is formed. There's one for when a rebellion occurs uh, and you're being like warned about it. There's one for when a character dies that you have. And there's one for uh, when like one of your settlements falls or is taken um is there any one of those that you're like really excited to see how the artwork's gonna look so i mean obviously the rebellion with like the the slave revolt i mean it 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 it, it drives itself what happens well, it's, it's, yeah but i was just thinking when a character dies maybe we maybe we can see maybe we will get a sorcerer gets uh, petrified could be we we do see the uh we do see the petrified sorcerers on the um during the draswat scene in the trailer you can see that line oh, you're of, right uh i, I guess you're right. i guess former lords of the black fortress <laughs> you're right exactly there, there you go i mean that could be a uh that would could be cool and that would be a, a, a way for them to include this very iconic Thing about petrification into the game without having it uh, um, happening in your third turn and, and uh, on the on the actual battle would be nice. <laughs> would you yeah, small minds think? think alike. I thought same as you. I, I'd like a row of uh, stone statues with petrified sorcerers. <laughs> they're just they're just wheeling. They got a they got a. <laughs> they yeah. got a wheel cart and they're just bringing up the newest one. Bring your hand, guys. And done. Yeah, exactly. The guy with a little cloth, like polishing it. And... Right, I so think it's, it's important, though. Like, I think I think that would be a hall of honor within a Chaos Dwarf fortress. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I think every sorcerer prophet looks down those that infinite line of petrified sorcerers and thinks it's not going to be me. I'm going to be the one. Yeah, look at all, the, look at the all these chumps. <laughs> genuinely genuinely i think that's what makes them so compelling as characters is that they psychopathically all believe and they have to believe that they're going to be the one who's going to crack the code because otherwise how could they get out of bed every day 
You know, it's almost a shame to me that the Chaos Orcs are uh, a little too... You know, if Orcs and Goblins had characters that turned into statues, they would use those as artillery pieces. <laughs> <laughs> the Chaos Orcs care a little too much got, for like, um, dramatic reveals, but yeah. <laughs> there's there's lots of people who use as unit filler. You'll, you'll be aware of this, Sotek, right? So if you're not a tabletop gamer, sometimes to bulk out your regiments to have like a high head count you'll make something on a 40 mil base that will take mm. up the space that four people would be but it'll be a single miniature there's lots of people who do a big petrified sorcerer because it's so easy to paint dry brushed stone right and and they have a couple of um, lakey have you got one yep the classic it's just a classic <laughs> take any sorcerer miniature that you want paint him up in stone and then give him like gems for eyes or whatever and it's the perfect unit for them people love it yeah, right. yeah, he's been carried by bulls. <laughs> there you go. So a couple rapid-fire okay. questions for y'all. Uh, these these should be pretty simple, like just kind of quick uh, answers. Um, uh, so of the roster we've seen so far, what's your favorite? What's your favorite unit? Iron Demon. Iron Demon. Yeah. Choo choo. Uh, Tom Thomas the Tank Engine coming in. <laughs> I can't. I have to say, I cannot believe that we have finally gotten to the point where the the demon, the demonic Thomas the Tank Engine that has been a meme for so many years. It's like no, it's just a literal. It's not a meme. It's a literal unit. <laughs> it's even got terrifying. <laughs> like, got to have some fun there. Yeah. It's got like we, it's even got like terrifying shotgun blasters on the front. <laughs> the blunderbuss for sure. Mm, yeah the, the oh, yeah. blunderbuss looks really good i the 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 shots we've seen of it in the astrogoth trailer love the projectile trails looks like it does yeah, a yeah. lot of damage too i don't know if y'all saw the clip where they they shoot to that lord that's like running away from the battle and his health just, his health just dropped it was like oh those look like they've got good armor piercing values <laughs> uh, i'm surprised i wonder how the range will be like will they have the short range that's in on tabletop or not, I, like. I I bet they will because uh, it looks like they're kind of using the same profiles as the Iron Hill Gunners from Grand Cathay, which are a devastating yeah. unit if they can get a volley into you. Like they're not super long range, and they they tend you know they can be very easily blocked. So you kind of have to make sure they have like that line of sight without something in the way. But man, if they open up into you, it hurts. So I imagine it'll be very similar. Sounds about right, yeah. Me, it's got to be the the llama suit. Even though I don't like the redesigned face, it doesn't matter. They got the smoke right, and the smoke spilling out of the llama suit's mouth. That's all I need. Yeah, damn thing literally is <laughs> roaring magic at people to hurt them, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> I'm they really, realized. I'm really excited to see its passive abilities. Um, they've been doing some really interesting things. Um, in the more recent updates, uh, we saw with like Nurgle, they added the immune to contact effects system. So like they're starting to because so in Total War we have a system of contact effects being like poison, fire, magic, stuff like that. But they've started to work on like reverse effects to that. So I really am curious if they're gonna give the Lamasu the ability to negate magic damage. If they did, that would be huge. Cause that would make physical resistance like so much stronger because there would be no way to get around it. Uh second question for y'all, and probably a difficult one, or maybe not, could be easy. Who are you gonna play first? Who's going to be your first campaign? Astrogoth, Drazhoath, or Zatan? Granted, we haven't seen exactly what Drazhoath and Zatan are bringing to the table yet. Uh, we don't even know where Zatan's going to start. Like, I feel pretty confident Drazhoath is going to start, you know, in the southern Darklands at the Black Fortress. That's far enough away for 
from Astrogoth where it will feel pretty different. But Zatan could literally be anywhere. Like, who knows where he's going to be? <clears throat> I'm going to start as Zatan for sure, but uh, my campaigns are short. I lose in turn 10, so... You, 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 you know, you can always turn the difficulty down. <laughs> what? Oh, no. That's with it. That's with it down. He's, he's sitting there playing on Legendary being like, I will make this fucking work. <laughs> Nagy's too good at tabletop. <laughs> turn uh, turn five every end game. Thank yeah, you. We we need to we need to make a uh, turn based mode <laughs> for the tabletop classics. I would uh, for me. It's got to uh, be oh, sorry, Jessica. No, that that's it. Answer, Yeah, for me. Okay. Astrogoth, because I can't imagine being satisfied with the other two confederating Astrogoth. Um, <laughs> Astrogoth can confederate the other two from a conclave. I can let, get, live with that. But then when I play the other two, I'm just going to have to kill him. I'm just going to have to kill him. I'm That's gonna, her? You can't play. You can't play as the Legion of Asgore and Drasoath without killing Astrogoth. That's my personal view. Uh, the the joys. Right. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I feel you. The joys are when you put a lore person into a sandbox game. <laughs> like i'm aware i can do these things but they're wrong (laughs) i must i must yeah um so uh uh one other question we have coming in here real quick is uh after you conquered the darklands where will you take your armies uh next so we know um we 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 had a couple answers for the dwarfs uh but he kind of specializes or specifies do you want to go west uh, to focus on the dwarves and the empire? Do you want to go east to focus on the ogres and Grand Cathay? Do you want to go south to take the fight to the Lizardmen and the Tomb Kings? Or north to face off against the Warriors of Chaos? I want to see Ulfwan burn. Is that a choice? Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> go south to the ocean. Quick sail. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's so, a long, it's a long sail, but you get the point. <laughs> I mean, it it would make sense to start with the ogres to use them basically uh, like fluffy. It, it would be the the the, the law-wise choice to start with the ogres. But um, as I said, I guess I would start with, with the draw. I have some some scores to settle. Mm. My my novella is set on on a way station out to the mountains of Morn. So I'd have to. I'd have to do the Mountains of Morn. And actually, I agree, Jasko, it's for the very same reason. The reason I set it there is because it, they want to get ogre slaves, because ogre slaves are an inherently valuable economic commodity, right? You see them on the uh, the Dreadquake Mortar. Um, and so it would have to be the Mountains of Morn for me. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, um, I think we've pretty much covered just about everything uh there's a lot of you know exciting footage to look forward to uh we've got this we got a new week coming up so there's almost certainly going to be another blog this week probably some more campaign footage uh some more battle footage uh i imagine they'll be uh probably showing off uh drasowathers the town this week if i had to guess uh which should be very very exciting either this week or next week i, I don't remember if they're doing well no because we only have we only man, yeah we, we have less than a month to go until this is out so uh they actually do not have a ton of time to waste <laughs> oh no there is there is one last big thing to uh, to ask y'all about how do y'all feel about the narrative they've introduced so the chaos dwarves are building 
the almighty drill of hashit, a drill yeah. that could pierce the heavens for anime fans out there. Um, so they're creating a literal machine that can drill through dimensions. How, how are, are y'all excited? Are you like, like what, what are your thoughts like, on the proposed narrative? I immediately start to, uh, started to think about uh, the realm, like the Age of Sigmar narrative, uh, yes. where they drill through the different realms. They're going to drill through AOS. Yes. Yeah, uh, hey, or something like it. I'm, you still, know? Holding, I'm still holding my theory. They're going to drill through. They show up in 40K at the ends of Arcs and Omen, just start spanking space marines left and right. Everyone expects it to be AOS, but it's actually Chaos Horse in 40K with the uh. steel chair. Yeah, but the drill, drilling to Hashut makes no sense to me. Like, he's not—it's not Slanesh that is trapped or anything. Like, what's the point of, of that? So, hey, man, yeah. if Hashut's got his—you know, obviously, I don't think we know for sure. Though I bet he does. You know, Hashut probably has his own little domain in the realm of chaos. You know, the Skaven mm -hmm. Warhammer Two—we're busy trying to get the Great Horn Rat to come into uh, the Warhammer world to physically manifest so he could dominate. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Hashit looks like exactly, but I bet he'd be pretty terrifying if he actually came out in person. <laughs> I mean, That's so the narrative, plan. that was, to be honest, I mean, that was the only thing I was like, okay, I mean, I just, I, at this point, I don't care. Give it to me. I will, <laughs> it will be awesome. Listen, it, it does it does ring a little bit scavenly for me, the whole giant drill. I mean, for my taste, they could have, uh, they could have gone with this um, classic tale of the of the uh, what was it called? It's the in the giant rocket which they built and hired in the um, in the in the uh, desolation uh, and created this. this mm. You know, a part of me, yeah, know, yeah. yeah, a part of me wonders. I wonder because they they haven't confirmed this yet, but a part of me wonders if maybe the drill is not we're trying to open a gateway and it's more like drilling for oil. Like we're trying to drill into yeah. a different realm where we can harvest, you know, something for new, yeah. like, cause, you know, why, you know, we know chaos Horse love their demon forging, but Hey, imagine how much yeah. more you could expedite the process. If you could just rip open, you know, the dimension to the realm of chaos itself, it, it's literally a realm of infinite sure. energy, right? That's what the old ones used it for. They sure. used it to make crazy advances. So if the chaos Horse did that, that would probably be horrifying. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, so I take it. It's I was like, yeah, but give it to me. They're, dr care. they're drilling down to find Balrogs, dude. Those Balrogs would be in for a bad time. <laughs> they're expecting like the classic Lord of the Rings setup, set up, and they're like, nah, <laughs> nah, you're we're fire. Get inside this axe. Yeah, a fire demon. Get inside <laughs> this steam engine. Yeah, really. You oh, now, yeah. it's it's like it's like the Rick and Morty thing with what what is my purpose <laughs> yeah. to pass butter. Oh my god. Right? The Balrog's like. I am here to rule your Dude. engine, Carburetta. Balrog comes out and is like, I'm a fallen angel that's a fire demon for hell. The Chaos Horse are like, oh, this will be easy. <laughs> this will be way exactly. easier than cool. we thought it would be. Inside this battery. <laughs> right in here. Get inside this battery. This is what you are now. You're a battery. <laughs> Jessica said it. Jessica said everything that I think about it. I think it's fine. I think it's a perfectly good MacGuffin-style reason for Astrogoth to go around and do some stuff, you know? That we need to... But I, I, I also like to imagine that Hashit brings out another one of these dumb goals every, like, 150 years with every <laughs> Supreme Sorcerer property. He's like, okay, now you're going to dig all the way to the Realm of Chaos. 
Now you're going to sacrifice one of every race in the world. Now you're going to build me a giant bronze effigy of myself. You know what I mean? Every sorcerer profit. And it's like Charlie Brown kicking the football. You Man. know what I mean? Hashit puts it in front of you. You run at it. You fail. You turn to stone. Bring in the next guy. Because that's what Hashit is. He's the god of domination and <laughs> slavery and ruin. And working for him is a terrible fucking thing. I love the mental image that Hashid is just one of those god-awful upper management types and the Chaos Dwarfs are yeah. like IT. So they're yeah. like, the Chaos Dwarfs are like, all right, <laughs> we made this design specific to your specifications. And Hashid's like, yeah, I see that. But <laughs> how about we change Guys, this? And they're like, God, die. no. <laughs> it's just endless. Uh, uh, Steve Carell I think it's, I think it's and but the office in Zanagrund would be a, a, a very funny uh, entertainment. <laughs> That's the conclave. That is like, the conclave. Listen, you got your exactly. You got your there you go. Hobgoblins. You got all of it. Uh, I I am very much looking forward to the Chaos Dwarf events. Uh, like obviously they they revealed the one that I've been getting endless comments about the see it, slay it, sort it as a as a play on the goofy British railway system. Um, they really like doing like some of the events tend to be a little more serious, but a lot of them are very silly or have like ridiculous text or ridiculous, uh, um, titles. I'm very much looking forward to what they're going to do with the chaos dwarfs for like the bizarre mis mishaps that occur in your empire that you have to deal with. I think things going wrong is one of the things that isn't hugely talked about in the books. <laughs> that I think like so much of, of cool Chaos Dwarf ideas, you borrow it a little bit from the Dark Mechanicum. Do you know what I mean? No, oh, yeah. You, you reach into 40K and you think, what's my influence here? Dark Mechanicum. Chaos Dwarfs, I just love like cascade failures happening at every fortress every time someone tries something too ambitious. Like that's my, that's my dream is to have this empire where it's like, is this working? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, they, like if, if when you think about the Chaos Wars, you think that they are very competent and very dangerous. But there are texts in the different uh, books that the, the two that we have uh, that, like, when they build the machines, like the Death Freakers, like they miss all the time, like, and mm. they don't work properly, and they blame the the demon inside the machine. Like they don't blame. They never built a bad machine. It's the demon's fault. And like they have a big war against the Skaven, where they both like miss, 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 and like <laughs> when they fire a big nuke, they they uh, they accidentally fired it into their own slave uh, labor camp. But that's fine; it's just slaves. But like they aren't very good at building machines, it seems. Yeah, well, it's like well, it's like only the best ones make it to like typically will make it to like the important battlefields, right? They're like, you know, we're gonna yeah. save the. But I also yeah, love the it's idea. It's called progress making. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think one of my favorite lore tidbits is how the hell cannons, being like a new experimental weapon, aren't that reliable yet, and they have a bad tendency to kill people. So they're like, yeah, sure, warriors of chaos, we'll support you with machines. And they're like, send the experimental garbage. <laughs> send the thing we don't really trust. <laughs> it's the export model. Yeah, it's the export model. It's fine. It's like it's like wow, this so is. It's got some issues. Yeah, you know, uh, the the total war ones are far more reliable. Uh, in tabletop, I don't know how. Like as a Lizardman player, I legit won games when a Warrior Chaos player's Hell Cannon would go bad. It failed leadership check, and it would run forward and start eating war warriors of chaos because <laughs> it would fail its leadership. Yeah. And just run forward and start munching on people. Um, 
but in any event uh i think that is kind of our time uh where we've been going a little over two hours now uh i'm sure everyone's got other things to do though this has been an absolute blast um i do want to uh thank all three of you for coming on this was awesome i had a i had a wonderful time uh and uh if y'all have any kind of closing thoughts um and uh if you have also please if you have any kind of content you're up to uh where people can find you whether you're doing your own kind of podcast or you're pub or you're like you're posting on uh any particular forums or discord community feel free to plug all that here and i'll make sure uh, we get all that information included on the video version of this um but uh yeah you got any closing thoughts uh please let the people know This was fantastic, first of all. Thanks for having us. Uh, uh, I mean, this is literally the most exciting thing happening for Chaos. I mean, that's meaning the trailer. I mean, this is awesome too, but <laughs> the, 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 Total War, the Total War DLC is literally the, the most exciting thing happening to Curse Wars in a decade or something like that. Um, so, excellent. We are really hyped. And the community is... We are always... I mean, we are going strong and we were happily and accommodate anybody who always had an inkling for the chaos shows but never followed up or anybody who is like who what are who are, who are these guys i love them come on over find us at chaosdwarfs.com chaosdwarfs.com and then there's a, we have a discord we have a forum there's lots of places to find us we have an instagram twitter i think there is the podcast Dude, we have everything now oh, we are yeah, we everywhere Good, good as it should be. the 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 forges The forges of Hashit are lit. They're they are everywhere. Thank you. They have been running an overdrive in preparation for this uh, for a long drive for a long time. That's great. And, and like a big personal thank you to you, Sotech. Like you helped us grow the community more than a year ago when we made our first video together, and you're here for us again now at the end of that journey. And it's just really exciting because. You don't get to see a faction come back into vogue like this more than a, a couple of times. But I just wanted to say thank you very much to you personally for the effort that you've put into making Chaos Dwarfs Online so successful. Well, and thank you all for keeping the fire lit. You know, it's not um, we unfortunately we lost a lot of communities, you know, when the end times happened. Um, a lot of those really like famous forums. There used to be like super active ones for literally every single race and a lot of them aren't around anymore. Um, so I'm, I am so, uh, you know, in a way it's almost kind of weird how the chaos stores were like, they were the, you know, they were functionally squatted in a lot of ways. Um, so the, the fact that y'all have held on all this time, uh, really is kind of an inspiration for any community out there, I think. And, uh, it's so exciting. You know, it was really cool to get to see the, the leagues of Votan return for 40 K. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's so much more exciting getting to see the chaos Dwarfs finally reemerge. Uh, from the depths and man they look good they look good fantastic thank you so much thank you all right thank uh, you man yep and uh thanks again to everyone that watched uh i will make sure to have this up in its entirety on youtube and we'll have all the various links and everything um down in the description and the pinned comment so you can join the community if you want to and aboard the hype train that has horrifying blades and shotgun attachments and we've already <laughs> we've already seen confirmed that you can take your trains with dreadquick mortars attached at least so the trains have attachments which is awesome um and uh it's going to be really exciting to see how everything progresses uh 
Other than that, uh, I'm going to very quickly shill and say that this podcast was brought to you by me. Uh, we <laughs> we do have a merch <laughs> store. Uh, I'm wearing my uh, Dwarf Brewery uh, shirt. This says established uh, or 7,045 years of excellency for the Kozlet Empire. Um, uh, I've been, I really, really want to make a shirt that is Chaos Dwarf themed and it says something about like, I want it to be like, it has like a Chaos Dwarf hat and it says, you know what they say about big hats or something like that. I don't know if I could get away with that. But <laughs> uh, in any event, uh, that's going to be it for us here. So thank you all for watching. Have a good day. Bye-bye.